Our second lesson today comes from the book of Psalms. I'm reading Psalm 78, uh, the first eight verses. We keep listening for God's word. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. God established a decree in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which God commanded our ancestors to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The word of the Lord. So today I continue in this sermon series, Tough Questions Seeking Faithful Answers. These questions have come from members of this church family. And as much as I wanted to avoid today's question, (laughs) as much as I wanted to duck this inquiry, it seems too important to not answer or at least try to answer. So I asked in an email earlier, what area of Christian faith do you struggle with the most? And one person answered, I don't have any major concerns with my own faith. My concern is this. How can I get my kids and grandkids more engaged in the church? Can you help me with that, Alec? There's a cartoon of a sheepishly looking preacher extending out over his congregation and he pauses and said, so now that we've avoided all the tough issues and the questions of the day, let's stand for the benediction. (laughs) That's my temptation today. Especially my temptation since several of my own kids are here who live in another city and who've come for this weekend a visit and are present in worship. Let me say at the outset that um, I don't pretend to have all the definitive answers on this particular question. Uh, This is actually a difficult question. Uh, It has many layers to it. It has many levels to it. And it has uh, layers and levels and challenges because all of us find ourselves in different circumstances. Our families are different from each other. Our circumstances are different for each other. Where our kids and what our kids are doing or grandkids might be all different from each other. So there are many uh, layers and issues to trying to answer this question, but I do feel like it deserves some faithful and sincere attention this morning. Our psalm today is Psalm 78, and Psalm 78 reminds us that this question is not new. It's been going on uh, haunting us in many ways uh, for all the generations. The psalm exhorts us to give ear to God's teachings, to listen to God's words and recall the glorious deeds of God. That's how it starts out. God is wonderful and God is mighty. 
but it is easy to drift from God's teachings. In fact, Psalm 78 recounts the story of God and God's people. God appeared and God called the people. God gave them commandments and laws by which to live. God urged the people to pass along these commands and these laws to teach them to the children so that the next generation will even know them so that they could teach them to their children and not forget the glorious deeds, the wonders of God. Well, what happened? Psalm 78 urges an emphasis on giving an ear to God's teachings, to celebrating God's power and might and wonder and passing it along to the generation because along the way, the generations forgot about God. And along the way, they quit thinking about God's wonder and did not keep God's commands. Indeed, there are 72 verses to Psalm 78 And most of the verses recount the rebelliousness. Most of the verses go on and on about how people forgot and wandered away. Psalm 78 stresses the retelling of the story from generation to generation in hopes that the story might not get lost, but retold and relived People would digest the story and appreciate God's wonders and become part of the story, living as God's people. Psalm 78 exhorts us so that we do not resemble those generations who have gone forth and forgotten, who were, quote, stubborn and rebellious, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not with the Lord, as it says in verse 8. What we're working on today, what we may be worried about, how can we get our kids and our grandkids more engaged in church? It's not a new challenge. It's not a new challenge. In an earlier generation, a professor named John Westerhoff wrote a book entitled, Will Our Children Have Faith? This book was published in 1976. I'm sure some of you know of it. 1976 was the beginning of an era when the Christian faith was less and less propped up by our culture in this country. For so long, Christian education and Christian formation relied on many contexts, a variety of situations within the culture. Christian formation and Christian education were allegedly nurtured in many places throughout the culture. It was assumed that basically as you breathed, as you lived in our culture, you would take on a Christian identity, Christian values. As you lived, church became part of the very fabric of your life, or at least, at least that was the, or remains the nostalgic impression. But then as the world continued to change, as culture became increasingly diverse, as Christian faith was less and less endorsed and upheld by society and was relegated mostly to one hour during the week during church school, Westerhoff asks, will our children have faith? Children can learn things, learn things about God, learn things about the Bible, learn many things, but will their lives be shaped by faith. That's what he's asking. We can teach them lots, but will children and youth 
and in fact, all of us adults really be formed by faith? And this is where we continue to find ourselves today. We're on a journey, all of us. Children, youth, adults, all of us on a journey. Christian faith, if it is to become part of who we are, how we think, how we act, how we set our priorities, Christian faith has to be something that we are continually nurturing, continually growing in, continually tending to, being shaped by, being formed by takes our ongoing energy and effort. And this is where it gets so complicated. Will we actually live by our Christian faith? Will our children have faith? It doesn't just happen. It has to be nurtured. It has to be worked on continually by all of us, all the time. So the first question and answer to the question for today has to do with Our own lives of faith. How important is our faith to our lives? I'm not asking about church, but the faith that leads you to church. Our children and grandchildren may know that we go to church, but do they know what really shapes our thoughts, our hearts, our lives? Have we talked about that with them? Have you talked about that with them? Have you explained how God's love guides you in loving? God's steadfast faithfulness in you shapes your life of faithfulness. Have you prayed with them? Have you prayed sincerely for them? Have you conveyed to them your sense of life and faith and how they're so intertwined? Ginger and I often wondered if we've done that very well. Really. But this is what's important in passing along the depth and the beauty of faith and the wonder of God's love We share our faith, not just by coming to church, but by talking, by conveying what's important to us and how we live and how we spend our money and how we spend our time and how we set our priorities by the way God's light and love show forth in our very lives. We talk about that. We build connections between faith and life, and we share it. Here's another way to think about this. The message of the Bible starts with God. God is the first and God is the last. God gives us life. God calls us into relationship. We strive to live lives every day thinking about God, walking with God, serving God. We strive to live every day giving thanks for the life that God has given us, the blessings that we can name. We strive to walk through our days serving God. We seek to follow Jesus, constantly growing in faith, constantly growing in love, constantly growing in selflessness, constantly growing in forgiveness and all the things that faith calls us to be about. Can we talk about that with our kids and our grandkids? 
Can we do better at showing them how very important this is to our lives? Maybe we've assumed too much. Maybe we've left it to Sunday school, to the church. The psalm says we will not hide them from our children. The psalm says we will tell to the coming generations the wonders that God has done. Maybe we've not done that so well. Ginger and I wonder often how well we've done that and worry about that. You know, there are many things that we share with our kids Our kids might learn from us special places or special food or special pursuits. They learn from us what we think is a great college or a great sports team or who a great athlete is or who a great movie star is. They learn what is on our hearts, what endeavors we pursue. They watch. Our kids pick up so easily. How does our faith and how do our values translate? How does our faith really translate? This is our challenge. Do we, as the psalm urges, tell the coming generations of the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that God has done? If you don't, they forget. And the message is lost. And we wander off. See, when faith shapes our lives, when we become people that are really seeking to live out our faith, then we come into community like we do here. We come downtown to Second Pres. We join our lives with others. We link to one another. Christian faith and Christian community then emerge as we seek to live well as God's people. We find church fellowship and church worship and church nurture. We find help for our journey. Along with the church family, we support each other in hard times. We pray for each other when going gets tough. We find that our own journeys are needing help and corrective along the way. We find at church places to serve God and ways to be strengthened in living every day with God following Jesus, loving as God's people, forgiving as God calls us to do. And from the church, community, we get help with our creeping selfishness, which is all of our tendency, with our call to serve God along the streets, especially the needy, with the reminder that life is way bigger than our lives, and it's not all up to us. And this seems to be where a bit of a chasm develops, a bit of a chasm emerges because we know about our kids and we know about our grandkids and we know about how life can go. Sundays get full of soccer and dance. Sundays are for laundry and catching up and not running out the door to something even if it's church because that's what we do every other day of the week. And the stress of life is real. We know it. And everybody is going in all directions. We know it. And church falls away from the rhythms of life. And maybe many of our children's and grandchildren's friends do not go to church. So there's another challenge. 
And maybe church has its own problems, its own internal conflicts and fusses and things that drive us crazy. We know about that. And there emerge any number of reasons and excuses and other involvements that displace church involvement. So we wonder and we worry. How do we get our kids and our grandkids more engaged in church, in faith, in life, as disciples following Jesus? In our family, we had a grandmother who had a very endearing name. Her name was Kitty. And for the grandkids, she was Mama Kitty. We loved her very much. She loved us very much. She is a pillar in our family. But we also had another name for her. Those in my generation also called her the travel agent because she was good at sending us on guilt trips. If our bags were packed, she had a trip for you. (laughs) She was good at making us feel guilty about a lot of things. Now, sometimes guilt may be good, truly. But much of the time, guilt does not work. So, one of the things I want to be sure to say is nagging And guilt-tripping our kids and our grandkids probably isn't the best approach, is it? Doesn't seem to work the best. But we could let them know how very important it is for us and for them as faithful people and as our loved ones. We can caringly urge them to find a faith community that will bring encouragement and even transformation to their lives that are spinning by. Find a faith community that will celebrate the joys of life and find a faith community that will be with you when those dark days that will certainly come, come. This matters very much. We want them to find a faith community that will help them know God's abiding love and steadfast faithfulness through all things. We want them to know about God's glorious deeds and boundless wonders. Find a faith community that will encourage them to grow in faith and forgiveness, in selflessness and service, in prayer and in purposeful living. We're all made for community. These things matter very much. Real community. That's what life's about. And as life unfolds, that's what we need. Not a club membership. Not another trophy from another soccer season. Not another ribbon from another performance. Right? Real community. Not another day of sitting around the house. What we all need is not another brunch date on a Sunday morning, but a spirit-filled community where our questions get attention, our doubts are fair game, where worship of God engages our hearts and minds and souls, 
where we learn about important things like loving and forgiving and serving. This is what we need. A place where our hearts are filled with God's love and our life is covered in God's promises. No matter what comes our way, our lives are for serving God. We're part of a way bigger realm. God's realm. One of our oldest members and most faithful members is a man named Gus Davis. He's here today. Gus loves to tell this story. A man had a donkey. The man also had a crazy idea that he would enter his donkey in the Kentucky Derby. One of this man's friends chided him and fussed at him and asked him, what in the world are you doing entering your donkey in a race of the super racehorses of the world? He has no chance of winning. What in the world are you thinking? And in all seriousness, the man responded, well, I figured the association would do my donkey good. Our association at church is not perfect. It's not. It might even be frustrating and difficult at times. But it intends to shape us in encounters with the living God. It intends to shape us in ways of experiencing God and God's purposes and growing in faith and learning to love and deepening our trust. And serving Jesus in the world. And our association would do all of us great good. Our kids, our grandkids, and all of us. By becoming part of a church community, we seek to put ourselves in places where we encounter God. Where our love can grow. Our selfishness can lessen. Our service to God can promote the reign of God on these streets and all around the world. For as our first lesson reminds us, we strive to rid ourselves of all malice and insincerity and envy and slander and all guile. And like newborn infants, we long for the pure spiritual milk whereby we can grow up and into salvation, and whereby we can taste the kindness of the Lord. This is what we seek. May we find it, and may we share it, and may our community be a blessing to others so that we're all growing to be the kind of people God calls us to be. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise, to stand with you, to seek your way following Jesus. That is to abide forever. Amen.